Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna. This is Dale Weiss. Hey, this is Riley Cote. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... You're listening to... Snow the Goalie. The Snow the Goalie. 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 Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. You're listening to Snow the Goalie. Guy is falling. Carter Hart. What a fraud. Shane Gostisbehere is the most misunderstood player in the history of Philadelphia sports. I thought this team was supposed to be good. Anthony Sanfilippo, you told me for months that they were going to win the East. That, of course, is Flyers Twitter. I, I didn't know I was, I was about to say, I didn't know I was hosting the show with Flyers Twitter today. Of course, that is not, those do not represent my feelings on the matter that is flyers twitter embodied as we lead off on snow the goalie radio here on 610 espn philadelphia the only flyers show where we give you all the insight you want and all the insight you didn't even know that you needed i'm russ joy find me on twitter at joy on broad joined as always by mr happy himself anthony sanfilippo wait a second who you can find on twitter at ant san philly you know you call me mr happy and it's because you think that i have like this real negative vibe right you think i'm mr negativity all right but I, the fact of the matter is this season i've turned over a new leaf russ and i know that flyers twitter is all a buzz after last night's uh debacle on the island where the islanders win five to three and it was the Flyers were a turnover machine. Uh, Carter Hart looked awful in net. The defense was a mess. Um, that Gostas Bear Sam Moran pairing was terrible. And, and, and we can talk about that today. I, I think it's fair to discuss the game in and of itself, you know, within its own little vacuum. I think we can discuss it that way. But because I am a positive person, I want to take you back a week. I want to take you back to last week's program. I want to take you back to the very end of the show last week. When you were like, all right, well, let's look at this week ahead for the Flyers and see what happens. Listen to this minute of brilliance. Ryan, when you have a second. Uh, I think it's coming. Uh, <laughs> Ryan was too busy uh, looking. He put up a great photo of him and his daughter today on, on Facebook. And I think he was admiring it there for a minute. That's probably what he was doing. Are so you, before San Filippo over you, here goes and gives himself a pat on the back. No, no, stop I it. Just stop. Wanna, I don't, we, don't wanna, we don't need to hear from you. Go ahead. We just need to hear from me. Ryan, thank you. So I think that the, the calendar really opens up for them nicely because they're getting going up against a bunch of teams who they can beat. Who are, you know, I mean, Vegas is a good, really good team, and this is a tough game tonight. But I do like them um, coming off, coming off of that Dallas game, uh, and then they have they have some time before they have to travel to Chicago. I kind of I kind of you know we saw them play well against Chicago. I don't think Chicago is that great of a team. I think they can beat the Blackhawks. Columbus is not a very good team. They're just okay, right? So there's a team that, again, is a beatable team. And then you got back-to-back with the Islanders, who, again, not off to a great start, whatever. Um, so, I, look, I look at these four games, and I say, can the Flyers win three out of four? Yeah, I think they can. I think they can. I'm going to say three and one in the next four. It's weird having you be positive after spending an entire season with you being nothing but the, the uh, prototypical Negadelphian. Now you're a Positelphian. 
I don't know if it fits you that well. <laughs> you want me to go back to being negative? No, it's fine. Okay. So you can say that for uh, your uh, your Phillies takes uh, over on Crossing Broadcast. Every oh, okay. Now, I, I will say this. The Islanders have won seven in a row, but at the time... You know, a week ago they hadn't they, were, they hadn't won the last three. So I mean, they sit there and they they were kind of like a, a five hundred team. So that's why they weren't off to such a great start. They've now won seven in a row. They're eight and three. It's a big difference, okay? But still, I told you they were going to beat Vegas, they were going to beat um, Chicago, and they were going to beat Columbus, and they were going to be three and one after the four games. And with that said, if I would have said if you would have known last week that my prediction would have been exactly one hundred percent correct, do you think you would have come in here and have been like, "Oh, this is a this was a good week for the Flyers"? Would you have said that last week, not knowing what the outcome of yesterday's game? Would I would have been. been impressed by a win over Vegas, which was Ch- impressive. Chicago is a bottom dwelling kind of team. Okay. Columbus is a mediocre team. But they had a nice comeback, five goals in the third period. They're a mediocre team. Okay. And the Islanders are are off to a good start. And as you said, they've they have won seven straight. So so fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But so so my point is, is that it's funny because you know, you did you you uh, impersonated, you know, we are approaching Halloween, so you impersonated Flyers Twitter uh, as a hollow as your Halloween costume here on the program today. Um, and the the fact is is that if you go back and just read Twitter from the last twenty four hours, you would think that the Flyers are god awful right now. They're horrible. I mean, they might be the worst version of the Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> that we've seen in over twenty years. Now, it, it, it is mind blowing that in the course of forty eight hours, we saw the highest of highs. Now, like. It, this all the qualifier here is that obviously Twitter is not the most rational place to have any kind of of productive dialogue. Though I think we try to with, yes. with people that we engage with on Twitter. Um, you know, a couple nights ago, Flyers go out, they put up a, an impressive comeback win that I wrote up over on the site crossingbroad.com, and they had one of the best third periods of hockey I think we've maybe ever seen from the Flyers. It, it was that good. it was and and it wasn't just that the third period was excellent. It was really the last nine and a half minutes where they put up those five goals and they they put together this amazing comeback. And it felt like, all right, you know, for a team that that statistically has led or had led to that point in Corsi four percentage by a pretty wide margin. It was a team that was shooting a, a I think it was around five percent going into last week. Their shooting percentage, it would have been a, an all time low for an NHL club, you put those two things together and, and the optimistic part was, well, if they start finding the ability to put the puck in the back of the net with all the shots they're putting up, they should turn things around. It's interesting to see that that third period where everything started going right for them was kind of what I think we thought would be like a best case scenario, putting all those shots on net and finally being able to convert. Fans were riding high. It was a matter of not if, but by how much they would beat the Islanders. Fast forward, not even 24 hours later, and they get absolutely shellacked. Carter Hart is chased. And within the last 12, 18 hours, it's it's gloom and doom. And it's wild to watch a fan base react like that. Again, it's not as if Philadelphia fans are inherently level-headed when they look at their teams. But to go from this team could be a legitimate top three, top four contender, as people were saying after the win against Columbus, to... What is this team? There's no hope, and and our future is based on a lie. 
it's wild to see that happen within 18 hours of, of two different results over the weekend. Yeah, well, because we are a we've become a society where we react to the extremes no matter who the sports team is. It's not just Flyers fans. I mean, you saw it with the Eagles, too. I mean, that, how many people were out on the Eagles when they lost two games in a row, and then they win yesterday, and everybody's got them back, you know, as a, winning the division and going to the playoffs and making a deep run again. It's just how the Philadelphia fan is, sure. just in general, right? Uh, but let's, let's, let's address – what I want to do is I want to address the concerns – that the Flyers fans have been putting out on social media. And it's not just on Twitter. I mean, if you attack those uh, Flyers fans uh, fa- Facebook groups that, gi- that give you a hard time Woof. for posting our uh, our show in there Woof. because they don't want talking heads. That doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> even include the groups that kicked me out last right. year because I dared to say that Shane Gostisbehere might not be a top four uh, defenseman we'll get to Shane on a contending team. We'll get to Shane Gostisbehere because he's a, a point of discussion for today. Um, but we wa- we have to start with the goalie, Carter Hart. And if, if anybody wants to join us, uh, give us a call here at 888-728-9941, and uh, we'll, we'll talk anything you want to talk about with What's the What's that Flyers. number again? 888-728-9941. Oh, yeah. Um, but let's start with Hart, because he really has not looked good in, in the, his last three starts. His goals against average is close to six. His save percentage is like 80%. It might be a little bit higher, like 82, 83, whatever. He's been bad 86-3 on the season I okay believe, yeah. yeah he was he's been bad especially yesterday I would say of those five goals four of them he probably should have stopped um just his he he's sitting back in the net a little bit his angles he's not taking the right angles on shots he just looks like he's he's a little off okay the confidence isn't there it's not it's certainly not there uh that it was there the first three starts of the season when he looked really good Right? You know, in his first three games. And his preseason was lights out. Yeah, he stopped he the was, first 56 of 57 really shots he saw prior to going up against Lozana in, uh, in Austria but if you, as a tune-up. Yeah, but if you read the, uh, um, if you read the um, tweets that I put into the, my post that ran sure. this morning, okay? And I, those are just a sample. Just a sample of them. Do you want me to read some of them in my uh, feel free? In my, in my feel free. You can do it. Yes, do it in your Flyers in your Flyers voice. Twitter Flyers Twitter voice. Feel free to do that. But if you read them, like this is what people really think about Carter Hart right now, and it's it's fascinating to me. Go ahead, Russ. All right, here we go. <clears throat> the confidence of Carter Hart is being ruined. All I know is I don't know who this is. Was right. Carter Hart stinks. Carter Hart is the newest Czechmonic. That was one of my favorites. I'm really starting to worry Carter Hart may very well be the Markel Fultz of the Flyers. There we go. Carter Hart, like the Flyers, is trash. (laughs) I thought Carter Hart was supposed to be the next Pelly Lindbergh. I hate to be the Skip Bayless of Philadelphia, but Carter Hart is really starting to look like a bust. For real. Carter Hart may not be the answer, and that's abundantly and massively disappointing. I don't care how old or young you are. Sometimes a guy just can't make the transition. His head may not be able to handle it. He looked that way last season, too. Again, he may not be the guy. Flyers ruined Carter Hart faster than I thought. Might be a new record. Okay. This is, these are your fans. These are your fans. And that's it. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is Carter Hart is 21 years old. And we talked about this in the summer, Russ. On this very program, we talked about this and said, you know, there's one thing you got to take into consideration. 
Carter Hart's going to be a good goalie. We all agree. Uh, you know, the Flyers agree. You agree. I agree. Like Everybody kind of is in agreement. Carter Hart's going to be a good goalie, a good NHL goalie. But he's 21 years old, okay? 21-year-old goaltenders have a tendency to be a little inconsistent because they're still kind of, you know, it's the first time that they're facing adversity or there's a little bit of a book on them at the NHL level and they have to then adjust and maybe they don't adjust as quickly as they need to. And you have games like Carter Hart has had in his last three starts, two of which he was pulled. Okay. So maybe that, that, you know, that happens and maybe it's going to take another couple weeks or even a month or two for him to really start to feel better about himself. That might be the case. That's why it's so important that Brian Elliott was brought back, and I I also wrote that re-signing him was probably the most important offseason move by the Flyers. But the fact is, is we cannot sit here and start killing Carter Hart as a 21-year-old NHL goalie for being a bust. Comparing him to Markel Fultz, who was the first overall draft pick, is the most is probably the most asinine comment. Well, I think that, the, that we the weirdest part is I'm pretty sure the Carter Hart didn't ride bikes around in PG County, Maryland, and I mean, you know, I mean, fall off on. and hurt his shoulder and then lie about. Guys, keeping allegedly. Tell me, and here's what I. This is the question that I always ask when anyone t- says to me, "Oh, Carter Hart's not not the real deal." And I have this argument with, with people on Twitter last night too, and it says, "I say, tell me how many goalies." who are 21 years old in the NHL, have come in and set the world on fire, lit it up, and been fantastic. I just want to address something really quick. It doesn't happen, Russ. It doesn't. Like, you could come up with like maybe a handful in the last 40 years, 50 sure. years. And those are those are guys who turn out to be the best of the best. And, you know... You don't have Martin Brodeur here. No one's going to say Carter Hart's Martin Brodeur. No. But he doesn't have to be. Go ahead. What did you want to say? You know, one of the things that I think bothered me the most in that wonderful string of tweets that you put together in your post mm. was the one that said that he he couldn't handle it last year, that he was a disappointment last year. Which was written, by the way, by a guy who used to be a credentialed member of the Flyers media. Really? Just pointing that out. That but guy go ahead. is? Yeah, he was. Oh. Go ahead. I would have to say who he is because okay. he's not. he hasn't been a member of the media for a while. But. Okay. So... Um, besides that being a terrible take, let's look at what Carter Hart did as a 20-year-old player a season ago. A 9.17 save percentage, which led the team. Yep. A 2.83 goals against average, which I believe led the team. Yeah, it was a little high, but I mean, that's okay. You're talking about a guy who put up numbers that no other vet on this team was able to. Mm-hmm. There were seven other men who <laughs> lined up in net for this team a season ago. And none of them could find the success that Carter Hart did. No. Now, if you think about it, last year was his first year in the pros. He started as a Mm 19-year-old. And after a a wild string of events, a series of events, a series of unfortunate events that I don't think anybody could have foreseen, he finds himself at the NHL level playing well beyond what I think any of us would have expected – and now, because the guy has had a rough start to this season, we have people who are bailing on him already. And I'm sorry, but if, if you're one of the people who sits back and, and you started this season by saying Carter Hart is going to be a top 10 goalie in the National Hockey League, 
And he has to be that guy for this team to be successful. Mm -hmm. But because of what he did last year in 30 games, or 31 games, 30 starts, Carter Hart's a top 10 NHL goalie, hands down, no questions asked. If you set that high of a bar for a 20-year-old kid, now 21, if you set that bar and now you're disappointed because he's not playing like Martin Brodeur, I'm sorry, that's your fault. That is on you as a fan. It's not on us as two people in the media. We told people. And listen, maybe some people didn't listen to us and they're new to hearing us, but we preached all through the offseason. You have to look at this kid with a mild level of expectations. You can think that he could be a top 15 goalie. You can think that he's going to, you know, he'll have really solid stretches, but like it's entirely possible that he's going to have some, some sketchy games. He's a young kid. You can't expect him to play like an eight- or nine-year vet in this league. And if you did, and now you're disappointed because your 21-year-old goalie doesn't look like a 10-year season vet, two-time Vezina candidate, that's on you. How, how many career games has Carter Hart played now? 37. Okay. St- 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 I'm sorry, 37 at the NHL level. Yeah, that's what I meant. Right, okay. Um, I'm going to take you back. Not that long ago. I'm going to take you back. You want me to sing in the background? <laughs> Go ahead. What are you going to say? I don't know. I got uh, <laughs> 2003-04. Yeah. A 23-year-old prospect goalie gets called up, and Robert Ash was hurt for three games. Oh, gets, gets called up, starts three games for the Flyers with a 1-0-0 goals against average, 9-61 save percentage. The very next season is the lockout but is the starting goalie for the Phantoms in the AHL when they win the Calder Cup. He's their MVP. Hands down, MVP of the yep. team for the entire year. Was excellent. Maybe it was probably the best goalie in the American Hockey League that year. The following season, he's on the Flyers, 05-06. In his first 28 starts, has a record of 20 wins, 5 losses, and 3 overtime losses. Or overtime or shootout, because by that year, that was the first year of the shootout. Um, everyone was anointing Antero Nitamaki. Mm, there's a name as the savior goalie. Turned out that he wasn't. Now, I'm not trying to compare Carter Hart to Antero Nitamaki and say that he's going to be bad because Antero Nitamaki ended up being a not great goalie with a career GAA of 301 and a career uh, save percentage of 901. Right, which was which is just mediocre but what i'm saying is is that this is another example of where people were anointing someone too quickly only to be disappointed yep. that doesn't mean that carter hart's going to be as bad as Namaki. i think he's going to be a very good goalie i think he's going to be an all-star goalie i think he's going to have a nice long career in the nhl i think he's got that makeup okay but if we're going to base it off of what he did last year and sit there and say look See, this guy is the goalie of this is the this is our our guy who's going to be the most awesome goalie ever for this organization and he's going to take us to great things right away. You're fooling yourself. Well, that's part of the problem, right? I mean, that's part of the problem with fan culture. Well, is yeah. and and I guess I don't like this about myself. Because you, you but, used to be one of these well, people, Russ. Yeah, and, and I used to get I had to rein you I used in. To, used to hit the highest of highs. Well, I try not to be, you know, Mr. Negadelphia. Uh, and I don't care. You're like a wolf in in sheep's clothing at this point. All right, you're still a Negadelphian. You can pull over the Positelphian cloak as much as you want, but 
I know there's still a uh, a deep dark curmudgeon inside of you. It it is such a shame to watch people give up on a kid. It's one thing if it's a career journeyman. Like let's say Chris Stewart, right? If you gave up on Chris Stewart, there's plenty of film there to show that he's he's not anything beyond a, a fourth line player. Right? right? And and arguably maybe he's your 13th forward. He's up in the press box with us. And if you decide to give up on him, whatever. There's years of film. There are years of stats. There are years of advanced metrics that show he's really nothing more than a fourth-line player, which, to his credit, you still made it to the NHL. Like, that's still nothing to sniff at, right? Right. But Or sneeze at. But to give up on a 21-year-old kid because you as a fan went out and set overly high expectations for him, that to me is is somewhat disconcerting. And I think it... It's it's a shame on the part of this collective part of the fan base that is now ready to send him down to the Phantoms. That was one of the things that I saw. So the Facebook groups uh, that I'm a part of, I saw this last night, and I, I, I like I closed the laptop for a little bit. I went, I baked some chocolate chip cookies because I'm I, I felt that bad about the world, <laughs> and I didn't bring any in for uh, for Ryan, our producer, who's upset. I was like, you know what, I. I, I have to I have to do something because otherwise I'm going to go and yell at these people on Facebook. That doesn't do me any good. And I came back and I thought, you know what? Maybe after a couple hours, people are going to be they're going to have simmered down. Mm-hmm. I go on and what do I find? Even louder cries to send Carter Hart down to the Phantoms. Oh, bring up Felix Sandstrom. Bring up Ostomenko. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a great idea. Bring up Alex Lyon. We know what Alex Lyon is. Alex Lyon is a somewhat respectable spot starter from time to time. He's not going to come up here and do anything for you. Here's the real concern. If you're a Flyers fan and you want to send Carter Hart down to the Phantoms, besides the fact that you should probably get your head checked, the real concern and maybe the reason that you should be upset as a Flyers fan is it has put Brian Elliott into a position that none of us wanted him to be in. Now, granted, when we had Aline Vigneault on the show, first first, uh, ever sit-down two-on-one interview, which is also available on video, youtube.com slash crossing broad. Um, he said that he thought in, in the league today, it's no longer a 60-20 split between starter and backup. He said it might even be trending towards a 50-30. Well, he said it's 50-30 and could go even further. And so I'm not surprised that Brian Elliott's getting the lion's share of looks here, especially because Carter Hart's confidence is down. But the fear that Flyers fans should have and, and rightfully have a concern of is you play Brian Elliott too many games in a row, like a Dave Hackstall would do, and the, the man is going to end up not playing for you. Yeah. He's going to end up hurt. Well, we'll talk We'll talk a little bit about Brian Elliott when we get back. Also want to talk about something that the Islanders did to the Flyers that really is is a concern. Um, and then also talk about the defensive pairings, which have to have to change after Sunday night's game. Um, but there's also some positives to talk about uh, as well, including Travis Konechny's play, Kevin Hayes's play. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. If you want to jump in, 888-728-9941. You're listening to Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN, Philadelphia. We are back. Snow the Goalie Radio on 610 ESPN, Philadelphia. You know, Anthony, I... I'm sure you saw this over the weekend, but uh, our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, they were promoting the Equinox because we had the four four main leagues in the United States of America. All playing uh, meaningful games. Meaningful games. uh, On the same day. And that doesn't happen 
happen. It, it very rarely ever. happens. I mean, it would have to happen late October. I mean, really, that's it. Because the NBA season would have to have started, the World Series going on, and it'd have to be on a Sunday so that there or Monday for uh, NFL or I guess there there could be a Thursday night. Yeah, it's, there's it, those those are more rare. Sunday is the more likely day. But yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I think they said it was like the 21st time it's ever happened in modern day sports. Really? Whoa! Who's that Ryan. guy coming off the top rope? Ryan. With the facts. <laughs> Good stuff. My God, it's a big elbow drop. Well, anyway, our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, they are the go-to. If you're looking to try your hand at legalized sports betting, there's no better app out there than FanDuel Sportsbook. Of course, they've got their app available on Android and on iOS. If you've got an iPhone, you have an iPad. You got to go check it out over there. FanDuel Sportsbook, they offer a $500 risk-free bet to new users. And while that's an amazing deal, it's just the beginning. They have other awesome promos happening all the time. On any given day, you can find odds boosts, bet insurance. Of course, the bet insurance is nice because sometimes if if you put a money line bet out there and your team ends up losing by, let's say, like four or five, six points, they'll end up refunding you to a certain point a portion in, uh, in site credit, which is nice. So it's, you know, it's, a, it's a good thing to try out. Um, they also have special bonuses that they do on some games. Um, they had one running. Uh, it was last week. It was on the Sixers-Celtics uh, season opener. And it was you You would pick on the money line. And however many points your team won, the team that you picked, they would uh, give you $3 in site credit per point that your team won by. It was kind of cool. That is cool. I mean, it's not hockey, but that's okay. That's basketball. You yeah. know, I think we have a lot of crossover fans here I think so. on, uh, on Snow the Goalie Radio. Sure. Anyway. They have their uh, their new cash out feature, which makes it easy to take your winnings early as the game goes on. You get updated offers to cash out before the game ends. So hey, if you take a team with poor odds to win, and you're you're up, and you think, hey, you know what? Why not cash out now? Why not make a little bit of money on this game? I don't know if they're going to be able to hold on. You can cash out, end up uh, you know getting some some solid return on your uh, little investment there. Of course, if uh, if you're interested, go check out the site and go check out the app, which you can find. Um, you know, in Jersey and in Pennsylvania, sign up with the promo code STG, as in Snow the Goalie, and uh, check them out online, fanduel.com slash sportsbook to get the app. Anthony, I think you pulled up a game that you uh, believe well, so, in. Yeah, I, you know, since we've uh, been sponsored by FanDuel, I've uh, given three plays, um, two and one in those plays. Gave two last week. They both cashed. Um, yeah, both were winners. Right. Both were winners last week. I gave the Flyers against Vegas, and then on Tuesday night I gave the Boston Bruins uh, at home against Toronto, and they uh, they won that game. Um, Toronto I am, really doesn't do well yeah, with they, Boston, do they? No, anyway, they don't. Continue. Boston really handles them pretty well. Um, so I'm looking at a game tomorrow night. So Tuesday. Um, Tuesday yeah, night. Well, with, for the people listening live, of it's course. tomorrow. But Tuesday for the people going to catch us on the podcast. Uh, I got the Dallas Stars. They got shut out at home by the Pittsburgh Penguins womp womp. in their last start. Uh, and they are now now going to be uh, hosting the Minnesota Wild, who stink, uh, coming in off of a 5-1 victory. So Dallas is a little down after the loss. Minnesota's coming in. Dallas is 160. I'll take the Stars. I think the Stars are going to cover. I wow. think that's an easy favorite. So uh, ride the Stars on Tuesday night against the Minnesota Wild. So go check out. Everything the FanDuel Sportsbook has to offer at FanDuel.com slash Sportsbook. Use the promo code STG, like as in Snow the Goalie, and try the $500 risk-free bet over on FanDuel Sportsbook. Try the app. The app is, I'll tell you this, of all the things that different sportsbooks offer, FanDuel's app is probably the cleanest, the easiest, and the most user-friendly to access. It's well worth a shot. 
Yep, and that $500 risk-free bet is for your first online wager. Only refund issued as site credit. Site credit expires after 14 days. Go to sportsbook.fanduel.com for full terms. Must be 21 or older and present in either New Jersey or Pennsylvania. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What do you want to talk about next? Well, we got to talk about Brian Elliott next, okay? The man, the the myth, the moose. The moose. Because he came into that game and he actually gave the Flyers a chance to come back in the game uh, against the Islanders. But, he, you know, he started three consecutive games uh, for the Flyers and they won all three of them. Um, and two of the three, he was easily the best player for the Flyers. I mean, he, he was great. Hashtag better than Carter Hart. No, but he was great against <laughs> Vegas. Uh, he was really good against uh, Chicago. And then he wasn't great against Columbus, but he did enough to keep them in the game. Um, and, and that's all that mattered, and it allowed for the comeback. Look, Brian Elliott is not going to be the guy who carries this team to the playoffs unless there's an injury to Carter Hart, okay? But when you have a young goalie who is struggling and, and doesn't have his confidence like Carter Hart does at the moment, you need a veteran backup to be able to come in and help the team survive long enough until Hart can find his game again. And I think Brian Elliott is the perfect kind of guy for that. You know, I last week um, I wrote when he was uh, playing in the in the Vegas game. I said, "Don't be surprised if you see Brian Elliott starting three of the next four, which in fact is exactly what happened. And after talking to a, to, to a few people, um, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if Brian Elliott continues to play some games here. Although nothing's been announced just yet, I I, I would expect Brian Elliott to be in net against Pittsburgh on Tuesday. I would expect Carter Hart to be, get another start against the Devils on Friday because he shut them out when they played in Philly. Sure. So like that, there's a team that he could go into feeling confident because he shut them out the last time he played them. And then the Flyers play Toronto the next night and back-to-back, so you get Brian Elliott again. So Elliott in two of the next three. And then the schedule kind of opens up a little bit as far as you know the time off between games that you'll see some um, one, you know, at least one day off or two days off between games. I think then we'll reassess where everybody's at at that point. But I think Elliott's going to get two of the next three starts for, for the Flyers, and deservedly so, Russ. And who's the guy that people thought at the end of last season was going to end up being the backup? It wasn't Brian Elliott. Most people had written him off as being you know somebody that was going to be a— not a cap casualty, but just kind of a, a casualty to the no, moment. It was Cam, it was Talbot. Cam Talbot, who mm-hmm. was acquired prior to the uh, trade deadline a season ago. And the the main reason behind that, supposedly, was that uh, Talbot and Carter Hart were workout buddies in the offseason. They had a you know previous relationship, and so that was supposed to be something that they thought was going to be good for young Carter Hart moving forward. And then what ends up happening? Talbot goes out west. Mm-hmm. Brian Elliott resigns. In Philadelphia, and you compare their numbers head to head. Just for those who are, you know, Cam Talbot truthers, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> so Brian, many of them. <laughs> Brian Elliott has a better save percentage, a better goals against. Yeah, he's but, he's uh, ha- he's played in more games. He's had more starts, and and quite frankly, he's been he's the, been better. He's, but I mean, he's been, he's hard been to, the, the better goaltender. It's hard to compare guys that you know after four or five games. I mean, that's I just did. That's a little a little you know disingenuous. But hey, another thing, the thing that if you if you really want to find something to be concerned about is I think that the Islanders really gave the rest of the teams in the league a playbook on how to attack the Flyers. They sure did. And and it was done with a relentless forecheck. They were in on the Flyers D the entire game. The Flyers had 21 
giveaways in last night's game. 21. Then there were eight takeaways. And you know the difference between the two, right? The yes. takeaway is the player, just for, for anybody who doesn't know, a takeaway is when the defensive player actually makes a play to take away the puck, whether it be a hit, you know, lift the stick kind of play, you know, you win a 50-50 battle. That is a takeaway. A giveaway is created, it doesn't have to be created by pressure, but it's basically just a player on the offensive team with the puck who then just gives basically gives the puck to the defensive team, and the only the only pressure that can cause that is um, you know just space being taken away, time and space being taken away. But they gave they had twenty one giveaways in that game, and almost every Islanders goal was the result of a poor play, whether it be a turnover or a bad decision by the defenseman to pinch in along the wall when he shouldn't have, or, or defenseman sl- sliding out of position, creating space for the forward to rush up past him and get a breakaway. It was just it was just bad, and it was decision-making that was the issue for the Flyers. And if a team can pressure you like the Islanders pressured the Flyers last night and that's the way you're going to play, it's going to be a long season. So that's something the Flyers really, really have to clean up. And I think it's especially upsetting because the Flyers have done such a good job of, of bringing the attack to the opposition. And, and so they, they got a taste of their own medicine. And these defensemen can't handle it. And I think the defensive pairings are something that we've said all season have been questionable. If there's one thing mm-hmm. about this Aline Vigneault-led staff, it's been why are the pairings as they are? And so fans got what they wanted. You know, if you remember to, I think it was last week, we got a call at the end where the question was, why is it that the Flyers don't have Sam Moran up? Or why why is he not getting yes. ice time? Yep. Why is Robert Haig getting st- why is Robert Haig playing in these games when Sam Moran could be up? Because apparently everybody thinks that Sam Moran is the reincarnation of Chris, Chris Pronger. Pronger. Yeah. When in fact he's probably like a poor man's Darian Hatcher. So Sam Moran is a guy who can't Darian Hatcher was a great player. For I said us. he's that half. Did, he's half. Is he? He's he wasn't he was pretty, as good as Chris Brown. Okay. No, but he was still so, a pretty darn good defenseman. He was solid. <laughs> so he's, he's more. Sam Moran's more like Mike Rathje. You want? You want to make a comparison? Loves Mike Rathje. Come on, <laughs> big signing for the Flyers. Um, here's the the biggest issue, I guess. Sam Moran is. He's not a great defenseman. He's he's a number seven, right? I'm not even sure he's a seven. In, I think he's in a, an, in a best case an, scenario for he's him. A, he's a seven. I think he's a quad A player. I think he's a an A eight. He's good in the A and not going to be good in the NHL. He's yeah. got a good frame for the blue collar Philadelphia fan who wants to see the Broad Street Bullies come back, but he can't skate. He's got real issues in tracking back. He's got real uh, 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 an absolute lack of acceleration to close down especially when going into his own defensive zone. And when he's paired with a guy like Shane Gostaspare, who wouldn't know defense if he fell out of a boat into it. I I don't know. Do we want, I, I don't know. Go ahead, get right. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait. Say that again. He wouldn't know defense if he fell out of a boat yep. into it. Yep. The defensive C. I was, the, I was right there with you, Ryan. I was having a hard time with that. We'll with be that using analogy, that for next week's yes. Show. Yeah, Sorry, we, let me let me put this. Let me put this. <laughs> let me put this in in simpler terms. Yes. Shane Gostas Bear is a bad defenseman. He is a solid offensive contributor from the defenseman position, but he is a bad 
defenseman. And I don't care how many people want to point back to a 60-plus point season. We're, what now, two and a half years removed from. I don't care. And that's the thing. It's like anytime one guy has one really solid season, it's let's let's look away from all the empirical evidence that shows this guy has been absolute garbage in his own zone. No, no, no. Let's not look at that. Look at this shiny little object over here. 60-point season. Oh, it's Dave Hackstall's fault. He doesn't know how to coach an offensive-minded defenseman. Oh, Scott Gordon's just an AHL coach. He just doesn't know how to use him. Just wait until they get a real coach in here. Oh, Elaine Vigneault's system. Everybody's quick to get out of the defensive zone. My God, Ghost is going to have 80 points. At the next break, I want to know who that impersonation is. Uh, Right, here's the thing, okay? I I just want to point something out to you. Russ is so fired up right now because... Last year, during last season, it was leaked to me, and then we talked about it on uh, the Press Row Show and on Snow the Goalie and wrote about it you know, extensively, that the organization was not happy with Shane Gostisbehere, that uh, they were looking at the possibility of moving on from him, that he was his name was brought up during uh, trade talks as they were approaching the trade deadline, People and people came at us like spider monkeys, man. They we didn't know what we were talking about, right? They thought we were just, you know, trying to to you know f- further an agenda, some sort of crazy agenda we had. You guys have was, it out for Shane Gus. It was anti. You just don't like him. Russ got banned from a Facebook. Group. I got banned from five Facebook groups <laughs> because I I dared to say that Shane Gus was not a top four defenseman. On a contending NHL team, and so and so we 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 put up with it and we dealt with it. It's all me. It's not the fact that the guys had four coaches that haven't been able to figure out how to maximize his potential. It's not that there haven't been two different GMs in the last what four years that haven't been able to figure out how to put a system in place or surround him with a defense a, a, a defensive pairing that is advantageous to the sixty point boy. No, 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 no. It's my fault because I dared to mention it, and then we got slaughtered on Twitter by the happy ghost Twitter mobs who like to use the emoji of ghost and bear, and all of a sudden, it's our fault. It's not my fault, okay? I can't play hockey to save my life. I I would never say that I can, but I can see the kind of game that Shane Goss' bear plays. And these coaches, including three former head coaches, two that are now assistants, and of course, A.V. himself leading the bench, these guys can't figure out a way to utilize Shane Goss' bear. Maybe it's on the player. I'm just saying. I got a text from someone last night. Can't say who. Can I see who? No, right? Come oh, on. Come on now. Come on. Russ, you got to understand. This is how I keep my sources, you know, uh, you know, protected. I don't even share them with you. Oh, and- San Filippo, is that what you call your son? He's a source? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Morin is not an NHL player. Ghost has lost every ounce of confidence. His decisions are beyond brutal. There it is. It's just one person's opinion, but it's a hockey person's opinion. Okay? We have had this opinion for a while. So this is not like we're we're talking out of our rear ends at this point. We are telling you, and it's funny now, all of a sudden we're starting to see now the same people who were defending him last year, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, wow, he really looks bad. Oh, geez. What are they going to do about him? Someone suggested that he won't survive the uh, the uh, expansion, expansion draft. draft. Now, the expansion draft's not until June of 2021 for the Seattle yet-to-be-named team. Hope it's the Kraken. Um, 
He won't be here in 2020. I don't think he will. That's my the, the the tweet that I sent back to the guy was that may be so. He may be part of that expansion draft, but it might not be coming off of the Flyers roster, it'll be coming off of another team's roster. I'm not convinced that this defensive unit, this defensive group will stay as is for very long. Now, Phil Myers is in the minors. Uh he will likely be called up sooner rather than later. But I have a feeling that it's going to be Myers and Haig as the third pair that they try and not Gostas Baron Haig or Gostas Baron Myers. I I think Myers does a lot of the things that go see the thing is they can't get away from Ghost being effective on the power play. And that's the one saving grace that he has is he's so good at the point on the power play. But he's only got one goal and two assists so far, right? It's not like it's not like he's lighting the world on fire. Oh and by the way, when he got the goal I mean, everybody was right back on the ghost train. Yeah, I know. By the way, I have nothing against ghosts. No. When I wore the fan hat, I loved Shane Gossespierre as a player. I loved the dynamic play that he could bring. There's there's a comparison that I could make here that I think five people who listen would understand. But this this kind of thing manifested itself. You mean like falling out of the, a uh, boat and hitting? Yeah, exactly. Hitting. <laughs> this thing manifested itself over with the Philadelphia Union. They had a right back who was massively, wonderfully capable to get into the final third, and he was dangerous, but he, he wasn't a great stay-at-home outside back. And eventually, the team cut bait with him. They traded him. And honestly, it probably would have benefited this year to have him, but whatever. But Shane Gostisbehere, I think, is a guy that, like, at, at some point as an organization, you have to say, was the 60-plus point season an aberration, or is that something that we think he can get back to? And to be honest, I don't know if it's there. I don't know if it's there here. I'm not saying he doesn't have the potential to do so. I just don't think it can be in Philadelphia because I think at this point he is so he's, beaten down. He's a change of scenery candidate. I mean, I think so. I think you're I think you're right. I think he would be better somewhere else, just not here. And it sucks because if you were able to get that 60-point guy back in this lineup, it would make all the difference in the world. But right now, you can't you can't weigh down the, the top the top pairing. You can't put him on the second pairing because Travis Sanheim right now, I think, is somebody that I'm a little bit concerned with. He's struggling. Provorov has been so up and down over the last two years, although I think he's had a, a he's, much more consistent, he's been more consistent few games. Yep. You can't risk having Ghost with one of those guys. He can't play. He's not. He's Unless you're going to play him with, with, with Braun, Braun to be the, the ultimate stay-at-home defenseman, and, and like maybe that's something that A.V. looks at. But it's almost like you're you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. It doesn't. So here's work. the thing: they don't, and we'll we got to take a break. We'll talk about it when we get back. I'll tell you why that they they don't want to really take the chance and play him with Braun. That's a good. That's I'll, a that's a good tease. I'll tell you why. All right. 888-728-9941 is the number if you want to chime in. You're listening to Snow the Goalie Radio here on six ten ESPN Philadelphia. We are back here on Snow the Goalie Radio on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. If you're looking to get in on the conversation, it's 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. So here's why they're not going to play Gossip Bear with Braun, or at least not long term. They might, I mean, they may try it for, you know, a short term thing just to try and get Ghost fixed, but while it makes sense to have him play with a stay-at-home defenseman so that way if he makes takes the risks that he takes um it won't cost them as much the fact of the matter is is they want braun to be in the top four okay 
Gostas Bear cannot play top four because he cannot play against the better competition that that second unit needs to play against. So it might be something that you just try and, you know, see if you get some going, see if it, you know, works out, you know, maybe for a couple periods in a game and then see where things are, right? See if, if you're, if you have a big lead, you keep them there. If you don't have a big lead, then maybe you change it up again. But, you know, at least that way he stays in, you know, in the rotation. He's still out there for power play. But it's getting, cl- it's getting close to, we got to, f- you know, figure something out with this guy because, 82 games last year he was not good and now the first 10 games of this year he's not been good we are approaching 100 games of bad hockey and 100 games since he had a legitimate season that's a lot and i don't know how long you really go before you can stop it so but anyway that's just that's just how i look at it i want to i want to kind of bring us back to the positive side of things let's do it Tra- Travis Konechny, man. Let's talk about him. He, TK? He has... Look, I always thought he was going to be a, a decent player, good player. And I don't know if he can sustain this, right? Because, I mean, he's averaging more than a point a game. So he's right now he's on pace for about a 90-point season, which would be unheard of or unthought of, I should say, um, for, for him as far as, you know, by anyone in this area. Uh, but he has is playing with such... And, and not only just an edge, but a determination. To quote Gabe Kapler, he's playing with real conviction. He is playing with conviction, man. And and he, he's got a point, at least a point in nine of the ten games. He's got 13 points on the season, leads the Flyers in both goals and assists. He's basically relegated the veteran line to a second unit. Yep. I mean, that Couturier, Konechny, Lindblom group is the Flyers' top line, make no mistake about it, and the Drew Van Riemsdyk Voracek group that you would think would be the number one line is not. They are the number two line on this team right now, and it's all because of Konechny, and I think Konechny, to be honest with you, is turning into Danny Briere. Oh, I love that. And if he becomes Danny Briere for his career, that's, that is a huge win for the Flyers. If they drafted a guy who becomes Danny Briere, that's huge. Well, I remember us talking in the uh, in the offseason. This came up about, you know, what kind of contract do you give TK? And I remember saying, like, I, I don't know. Is he ever going to be a guy who can put up something close to a 75, 80-point season? Is he going to be that kind of guy, or is he merely going to be you know, like a 40-ish point player? And I think a lot of times when you look back at last season, he was playing on a line with Claude Giroux, who makes everybody better, and Sean Couturier, who makes everybody better. And I, I legitimately questioned, was there going to be a potential that if, if he ended up going down to the second line, would he be an effective player for this team? Would he be a difference maker? And, and my God, like for a guy especially who came in late to camp as part of, a, as part of his RFA contract holdout, I mean, this guy has done everything and more. I- that not, AV and, and this staff could have hoped for. And not only that, Russ, he's he's taken that next step. Like there was a lot of there was a lot of mistakes in the way Konechny played. And, you know, he got benched for it, he got demoted for it a lot of times. And you could see like he has cleaned up the same mistakes that he would make over and over and over again. It's huge for the Flyers. Let's go to Ian. Ian's giving us a call here on Stow the Goalie Radio on six ten. What's up, Ian? Hi, yes. So uh, I was listening to you guys. Hey, I love the show. Great work, guys. Thank you. Thanks, um, but 
But yeah, so I wanted to kind of go over. I noticed the trend. It seemed to happen over the last few years of the Hackstall regime, and then sort of righted a little bit with Gordon towards the end. But it almost felt like each of the defensemen that were around for that era were getting their progression reversed by whatever the coaching staff was there. And I didn't know if maybe you heard that throughout the organization, if people noticed that, like, it almost felt like Ghost was not alone. I'm not trying to defend Ghost. I'm just saying it felt as though we were watching Gudis take steps back, even when he was here, where it was like, wow, it seems like his game has progressed worse. Now, maybe that was more of, you know, his path as a player. He just wasn't going to keep growing. But the only ones that seemed to survive were the random ones we would bring up that almost were getting their seasoning in the AHL, then would be brought up and then would perform well at the NHL because they weren't under that coaching regime. Is that anything that anybody noticed or saw? That's a, it's, a, it's a fair point, and I think it's more inconsistency than it was regression. Um, and that's something that the coaching staff definitely has to rectify. Um, I, you know, last year, the last couple of years, really, um, the coach, the defensive coach was Gordon Murphy. And Gordon Murphy was fired when Ron Hextall was fired last year. Um, so you, you have to wonder if there was a little bit of something to what you're suggesting. Um, that there was, you know, Ghost, Ghost is the guy that has regressed. Uh, the other guys, I think, have been a little bit more inconsistent. Um, and and there, you, another thing that you're saying is that also makes a lot of uh, sense, Ian, is that guys that play in the AHL and then come up here, you know, they're getting they're getting molded in the way that the, the organization wants them to play at the minor league level. That's called development, and that's why one of the things that I always go back and forth with people on Twitter about is that, you know, you want to develop in the AHL. You don't want to develop players. In the NHL, it's not a developmental league. That's why the AHL exists. So you like that. You like seeing guys, you know, find their game at the American League level before they get to the NHL. So uh, I think that there might be a little bit of something to it. Uh, I wouldn't go full bore and say that uh, all the coaches have been so terrible that it's hurt the hurt the defensemen. But you know, there have been changes that were made at the at the NHL level that you know would kind of make sense with at least part of what you're saying. Well, that's. That, uh, thank you. I mean, that's really great. I have one follow-up question, and then I'll, sure. I'll let you guys go. Like I said, I love the show. The um, In that vein, so you're saying they're getting molded at the NHL level and trying to find their game the way the organization wants. Is there then a disconnect between the NHL roster and the AHL molding that's not fully carrying over, that we're not seeing this development path that seems a little bit more connected? Or is it that, you know, AV is here, he's going to run his system, and we're not coaching the AHL club to perform in that system? Is that system so different that it's disjointed and they almost feel disconnected? That's a great question, Ian. Thanks for the call. Um, No, you know, Russ, I think that there may have been a little bit of a a disconnect previously. I think between... Between Hack and, and yeah. Pauly with Scott Gordon, yeah, I, I think that there was there might have been there. I I don't see it now. No, because I, and and one of the things remember when we were talking to Riley Cote, who used to be an assistant coach on the Phantoms, sure. he was telling us how they would try and implement, like when they would go through training camp, that they would try and implement the systems together and have it integrated so that they're learning the same thing at the AHL level that they're trying to do at the NHL level. Using so the same terminology, you, right? And everything's yeah. everything's being trying to be done the same way. I, I think that there might have been a little bit of a disconnect at some point, and I think it was more of the reason that, you know, it's interesting, when you're coaching, 
and your team's struggling at the NHL level, all you're thinking about is your job, right? How, oh my God, how's this going to affect my job? And so, so maybe what ends up happening is, is you, you overreact and change things to do some try something different to try and make the team win and so therefore you don't have to worry about your job being uh you know being lost so maybe things then change at that point but i think that overall the way that they want to develop players and the flyers have good development uh a good development group that's been around for a long time um i think that they, they they're pretty consistent with that and stick with that but I do think that there is the possibility that there does get to be a disconnect at some point for for players. I think there has to be at least uh, something that that fans can kind of take some solace in, and that's that Scott Gordon, I think, did a really good job at the end of last season of working with the, a core group of, of young players that he had worked with in Lehigh Valley and then made that transition almost with them to the NHL roster. Mm-hmm. And he got the real lay of the land of, of how things were being done at this level. And remember, when we interviewed him, there, there was clearly, initially, the thought on his part that he would have no interest in ever going back to the NHL level to be a head coach, that he was happy with the player development side of things in the AHL. And then you see what happens. He went back to Lehigh Valley. He he's, you know, is running that team. And I think it's something. there's something to be said for him being able to kind of take a, a, a neutral and kind of level-headed look at how things are being done at the NHL level. And that kind of, I think, helps him with developing a plan for how to better prepare these these young players for what AV is going to be looking for because he's got more of a holistic view of the organization from having had to fill the kind of shoes that, that AV does now. I think there's got to be a, a much better line of communication in the organization between the AHL and the NHL than there has been in, in maybe the last three, four, five years. Yeah. Well, Russ, we only got about two minutes left in the program uh, before we head over to the crossing broadcast proportion of the uh, on-air stuff today. Uh, and let's, just like last week, why don't we take a quick look at what's lying ahead for the Flyers? Because you know, I nailed it. Last week, as we remember at the start of the show today. Mr. Modesty. I nailed it. So why don't we uh, take a look at what's lying ahead, Russ? You got you got that there for us? I, I had it. I, I don't even know. I, I mean, I, I can, me I can just, tell you what it is. I've already said it out loud a couple times. Now I've got it here. So the Flyers start um, a little bit of a road trip here. They've got the Penguins, or they're in the midst of the road trip. They've got the Penguins on Tuesday night. They are in New Jersey on Friday. Second half of the back-to-back is Saturday when they play at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs. All right, Osage, go ahead and tell us how this is going to work out. Flyers go 2-1. Wow, okay. Let's break it down. I think they beat the Penguins. How do you like that? Is Brian Elliott in goal? Yes. I th- okay. In my mind, he's in goal. Okay. Um, if he's not in goal and it's Carter Hart, I might pull back on that. Okay. But Devils? I, Devils game. But I think I, well, I'll tell you why I like them to beat the Penguins first, and it's mostly because Penguins are missing three of their top nine forwards. Okay. I think that they're... The Flyers are just going to be a, a better offensive team than the Penguins are. Uh, I think they catch them at the right time. Uh, I, I like them against the Devils too. Um, I think that they match up well with the Devils. I think they're 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 a good, a good possession puck possession team. The Devils are not. And I think that favors the Flyers. I don't like them against Toronto. I think Toronto is a better team, um, and I think that that's the game that they'll probably lose. So I have the Flyers going two and one in the next three. Okay, and that they'll be at that point they would be seven five and one after thirteen games. You taking that for uh, for the first thirteen? You no. happy with that? Flyers go three and zero. Oh. Get ready for this. Oh, here we go. They go into Pittsburgh and annihilate the Penguins seven to two. <laughs> they come home or they they go to Jersey. Carter Hart gets pulled in the second period, which sparks yet another comeback. Flyers win four to three, and then they play at home 
Toronto Maple Leafs, and they win a nail-biting game in overtime, 5-4, to 3-0. and It's amazing how you've changed from the start of the show. Uh, I would like to thank Ryan Lennox for uh, producing the program today. As always, we will see you next week on Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia.